Hello and welcome to a new episode of Some Random Thoughts. I am your host, Ryan Mulkowski. Well, I can't believe I am wrapping up. This is going to be my last full episode of the season. And there will be a small little closing uh, episode to follow. But, man, made it through all these episodes. And it was really good to just get back in the seat of doing solo episodes just on my random thoughts. That's how this whole podcast started anyway um, during the pandemic in 2020. But I've also had the pleasure of having two seasons with amazing, wonderful guests, many of who I call friends. And you can check those out as well. But it was just really nice just to get to talk about things I've been wanting to talk about that I had not addressed before on my podcast. And Thank you so much for those of you who have been supporting me from the beginning, those who have just started listening now, and all everyone in between. If you've really enjoyed these episodes, please let me know. Leave a comment um, on my Twitter and Instagram at Ryan Wilkowski. You can also DM me at those platforms. You can um, go to my website, ryanwilkowski.com, and leave me a message on my contact form. Um, and then if you want to comment specifically on something you've enjoyed or something you want to talk about in a in one of the episodes I've done, you can leave me a message. Go to the website, ryanwilkowski.com. Go to the podcast page. Scroll to the bottom where it's leave a message and leave me an audio message. And I can include it in a future episode. But it's been a pleasure. And lastly, if you really want to be nice, if you really want to be awesome, take a few moments. And wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, please leave a review. Um, a five-star review will help me greatly get my um podcast promoted um in the algorithm of where the podcast is being posted and can help me get more attention so if you feel led please do that that would be great and on to the program so to wrap up season four i want to talk about something that i have really been practicing intentionally at least for the last couple of years but really longer and something that i've been studying for a while which is the concept of mindfulness and the importance of meditation and the importance of finding meaning and deriving meaning from the practice of mindfulness one of the great philosophical questions that we all will ponder and wrestle with what is what is the meaning of life that is one of the most common questions that people ask and people are constantly revisiting this question numerous times throughout their lives um i would say definitely at least at every you know developmental milestone um every stage of development if you will but a lot of people visit this question often, and it's a question that I ponder on often. It's a question that I've 
really seriously had to ponder whenever I was deconstructing out of my faith, which was, okay, I was previously deriving meaning and purpose from my relationship with God, my relationship with the church, my my identity as a pastor. All of these things were how I derived meaning and purpose. But now that I no longer have those things, I don't have a relationship with God, I'm not a part of a church, I'm no longer um, a Christian minister or pastor or whatever, I don't have anything to have, I don't have anything that connect meaning and purpose to right it's just I'm, I'm everything's a void right now everything just feels empty so what do i do and i had to do the work of trying to derive what meaning and purpose was when i was deconstructing out of my faith one of the practices that i began to pick up as i was discarding former practices such as scripture reading listening to christian music prayer all of those things was mindfulness i was introduced to the concept of mindfulness which um, if you want a definition, according to Healthline, and I'll leave this article in the description as I always do, mindfulness is the practice of gently focusing your awareness on the present moment over and over again. Mindfulness is the practice of gently focusing your awareness on the present moment over and over again. And this is to me, in direct contradiction to what I was taught largely in the Christian faith, which was to not really be focused on the present moment because everything is so fleeting, everything is so temporary. We need to be focused on leaving a mark here on earth so we can have a prominent place in, in heaven, if you will. You know, it was all about the next life. It was never really about this life. This is just a momentary passing. <clears throat> but this life is not all that there is. But for me, whenever I let go of that, and I was saying, well, this is my one life. I need to make the most of it. How am I going to really live in this life in a way that's connected and meaningful? And what I came across was mindfulness, which was the opposite message of what I was taught before. The, this message of mindfulness is I need to be focused on the present moment. That if I'm not, I could let life slip by me unintentionally. And the whole practice of mindfulness is intention. Being intentional about your life. Living your life to the fullest. And you can only do that when you are focused on the present moment. And connected to the present moment as much as possible. And one of the things that keeps us from having our roots in the present moment is having a full mind. And of course that happens to all of us. All of us can get overwhelmed with work and family and other responsibilities and things to take care of and activities and trying to maintain friendships and all of these different things and more. And we can get so overwhelmed by just the amount of things that we have to do that we just let life slip by us. Just like that. You always joke, you always hear people joke around, oh, you know... My child was just a baby, and before I know it, they're off to college. Or, oh, yeah, man, I've really been at this job for, like, a long time, and it just, it's its getting to be dreadful, but I've just been here for so long. Or, man, we've been married for this long already? Like, I, I can't believe it. I've said these things, too, but we've all said these things. We've all have made references to how life just seems to go by so fast. Well, the reason why life just seems to go by so fast is because we're just not rooted in the present moment. One big caveat to this, though, is that a lot of us did not want to be rooted in the present moment during the pandemic. 
And even though we're still in the pandemic, but we're kind of coming out of the pandemic, arguably so, I've just heard a lot of people say, you know, I don't even remember what I did those first couple of years during the pandemic, or I, I don't remember much or, you know, and, and that makes sense. I think a lot of the pandemic and our response to it was a trauma, uh, a trauma response. And with trauma, we, we can forget lots of things that happened and have gaps in our memory and, and things of that nature. But <clears throat> I think some of it's intentional too, of we didn't want to remember because we don't want to continually bear witness to the immense amount of suffering that occurred during the height of the pandemic and things like that so we choose not to remember and if we choose not to remember we choose not to be grounded in those present moments during the pandemic and that's okay everyone can decide for themselves how they want to respond to that but with a general sense of everyday well-being and purpose setting that aside it is important that we are rooted in the present moment but how do we do that and with mindfulness there's different ways we can go about doing that the majority of people utilize some form of meditation. So if you are a religious person that practices prayer, you could actually use prayer as a form of meditation and prayer as a form of, of mindfulness. It usually isn't, in my opinion, in, in my experience, ever utilized as a form of meditation, though. It's always utilized as a form of petition. It's always talking to God. And when you're talking to God, you're not really super focused on the present moment, even if it's something that you're urging God to do. So let's say you're in a really difficult situation, like maybe your loved one's sick, or you've been in a, you know, you, you're know you you're lacking resources or whatever the situation is. You could even be pleading like, God, please, you know, make my son feel better. Please let me get a job so I can provide for my family. You could be pleading, but you're not really rooted in the present moment you're thinking about the future you're thinking about the worst case scenarios you're stressed and overwhelmed about lots of different things so i mean i could possibly make an argument that prayer is not a sufficient form of meditation even though i think you can use prayer as a form of meditation if it's not used in the most conventional way possible which is really asking god for things or asking god for things on other people's behalf or just worshiping God, you know, giving thanks to God and, 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 and things like that. None of that's really being rooted in the present moment. But, you know, meditation is a really common form of mindfulness. And so you have m many different forms of meditation. You have, you know, guided meditation, you have transcendental meditation, you have uh, sound meditation. There, there's lots of different ones. One of the ones that I've been trying to study is um, when John Kabat-Zinn in 1979 um, developed what would become the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program, MBSR. And MBSR is actually something that I want to study more and actually become formally trained in one day. It's one of my long-term goals is to get trained in MBSR because there have been numerous scientific studies that have proven the effects and benefits of mindfulness-based stress reduction. Um, What's really interesting, if you want to learn a little bit more about MBSR, is that Kabat-Zinn combined his studies of Hatha Yoga with mindfulness practices and Buddhist principles he learned from many teachers. And research, like I said, has been done. Um, and mindfulness, if you look at all of the peer-reviewed research and formal research, scientific research has been done on mindfulness, and I have studied mindfulness, and I've actually written papers in grad school on mindfulness, it is a 
an amazing intervention and it is super effective in lots of different contexts, lots of different environments with different people in different settings. Um, I specifically studied mindfulness-based stress reduction in the school setting. I studied it in the first responder setting and I res- and I studied it in the healthcare setting. And in all three of those settings, it was extremely effective, including specifically with veterans. So for people that have experienced post-traumatic stress disorder and other disorders because of being in combat, which is obviously extremely traumatic, um, it works. Also, here are some of the benefits that Healthline talks about. MBSR can, in um, some of the benefits include improving cognitive ability, slowing brain aging, reducing stress, anxiety, and depression symptoms, increasing a sense of well-being, helping with pain management, improving quality of life for those living with chronic conditions. Absolutely incredible results have occurred because of mindfulness and meditation and specifically mindfulness-based stress reduction. This is why I'm so passionate about it. This is why I've been trying to practice it, especially intensely over the last couple of years and why I continue to study it and why I eventually want to become trained in it. Because I know that this intervention works in so many different ways for so many different people and I want to be able to use it in whatever context I go to as a future social worker. Um, The studies are absolutely incredible though. And I have concerns about my cognitive abilities and of course my brain aging as well along with my chronic depression and acute anxiety and things like that. So I know mindfulness-based stress reduction can work. The most fascinating thing, though, is the pain management aspect of it. MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction, has proven to help with pain management, which I thought was absolutely incredible. Like, I just was blown away by it. But... um. It kind of makes sense to an extent because a lot of pain is physical, of course, but it's, it's, it's also in the brain, right? Pain receptors constantly going off tell you, okay, I'm in pain and now I feel that I'm in pain. <clears throat> and while you can't just cure illness or take away the sources of pain just by thinking it away, and that's not what MBSR is trying to say. It is saying that you can utilize MBSR to decrease the intensity of the pain receptors firing off, therefore reducing the pain, your pain response. Um, it's, It's an absolutely incredible intervention, and it's one that's not talked about nearly enough, but it is taking a lot of... It's gaining a lot of steam and a lot of attention, especially from 2019 on. So I think it's something we need to continue to talk about. And it's something that I'm going to continue to promote. Like I said, there's lots of different ways to practice mindfulness. I started off with deep breathing. So just breathing in deep, breathing in out. If you own an Apple Watch, or I think um, Android watches might have this feature too, but if you own an Apple Watch... There is a mindfulness app built into the Apple Watch that you can use and do the deep breathing one. That's a really good entry way into uh, mindfulness meditation. So you can do deep breathing. You can do guided meditation. 
whether it's video forms, you can just look at a video and it's relaxing and it's going to show you different images and it can relax you. Or you can do an audio guided meditation where there's maybe different sounds or somebody saying mantras or prompts to help you focus and to relax. There's sound meditation where it's just different sounds, whether it's bells or other lovely types of soothing sounds that can help. Um, there's transcendental meditation, which I've not tried before, but I've actually heard is very effective and works. Um, but there's lots of different forms. Uh, yoga is also a really great intervention for mindfulness, as well as um, getting into better physical shape. Um, coloring or doodling can be mindful. Walking and eating can be mindful. And I haven't even talked about this. So at one time... Before the pandemic, I got up to like 255, 260 pounds, and I'm 6'2". So very unhealthy, and I was miserable, and I said I need to lose this weight. And I've tried many different ways. I've always struggled with my weight my entire life. I've tried many different ways to try to lose weight, and I could never find one that really stuck. I remember trying a few years ago. Um, I heard about intuitive eating or mindful eating. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. So for me, it was mindful eating and intermittent fasting. I tried those two interventions for a year. I went from, I think my heaviest was 265, but I kind of averaged anywhere from like 255 to 265. So in between would be 260. I went from around that weight down to 200. So I've lost anywhere from like 55 to 65 pounds in the, in a, in a course of a year. It was a significant amount of weight. And I'm happy to report that I'm 210 now. So I've only gained 10 pounds from my lowest weight loss since the initial weight loss around 2019 or so. And it's almost the end of 2022 as of this recording. So mindful eating and intermittent fasting completely changed my life. It was the only thing that worked. It was the only thing that kept the weight off too. I've tried many other diets, crash diets, whatever. None of it worked. I would lose the weight and I would gain it right back. I have consistently been in shape without any kind of special diet or any kind of intensive exercise even though exercise is important and I would encourage you to talk to your medical doctor about um, or a medical professional about diet and exercise but just doing mindful eating and intuitive eating and intermittent fasting completely changed my life this is just my opinion obviously I would Disclaim, you need to go talk to a medical professional for your specific needs, but it's for work, what worked for me, and that's why I highly believe in, in mindfulness. So the other thing I want to talk about, too, is purpose, <coughs> meaning and purpose. So I've already talked about what mindfulness is and how mindfulness can be a great benefit to your everyday well-being and how mindfulness can actually lead you to develop a practice of developing meaning and purpose and constantly refining what that means for you. Um, Greater Good Magazine has this article talking about how to find purpose in your life. And I'll, of course, link that in the description along with the other article um, from Healthline. But this author of this article said one reason... You might be struggling to discover your purpose is because you feel isolated from other people. And this was written before the pandemic. It was written in 2018. 
So, you know, who, who knew that we were all going to be isolated from people for a good while? In 2018, none of us did, but um, it is true that we do derive a sense of purpose in being in communion with other people because, and this is what I believe and this is what the article says, perhaps it, purpose is adaptive in an evolutionary sense and helps both individuals and the species to survive. He said it very well. The author of this summarized what I've been trying to talk about for a long time, which is, I don't believe meaning and purpose comes from a divine being as a source at all. I believe defining meaning and purpose for yourself is an intrinsically human exercise. And it's one that is evolutionary, hard, evolutionarily, excuse me, hardwired into you because you need to develop a strong sense of meaning and purpose in order to survive and to thrive in the world around you. And part of how we derive meaning and purpose is by being in communion with other people, by doing things for other people, by being with other people. So whether it's the desire to have a family so you can derive meaning and purpose from being a husband or a wife or a parent, um, whether it's being in a field at work that you feel like gives you a lot of purpose. So for me, as a hospice chaplain and a bereavement coordinator, I derive an extreme amount of meaning and purpose from my work, being comforting people and supporting people that are dealing with their loved ones in the death and dying process and then providing bereavement and grief support to them afterwards. Of course, a lot of meaning and purpose can be derived from that work. It's a human work. I'm working with other humans in the most vulnerable parts of their life where they need support. To be able to provide support to them would give me a lot of meaning and purpose. But work in and of itself could give a lot of people meaning and purpose no matter what the job is. But studies have shown that work that is perceived as purposeless or lacking meaning is harder to allow for retention and it's harder to motivate people and, and convince people that that job is important. So in, if we want to have solid work, if we want to have a good workforce, we have to provide meaningful work to people, not just work that is, hey, go do this for the, only for the means of production. Like that's no longer going to cut it. That's what part of the great resignation was all about was this lack of understanding by capitalist institutions and structures and companies and businesses that you can't just give people work just to work. If you give people just work just to work, if you just treat people like they're a cog in a machine and not a human that has complex needs and one of those needs is to derive meaning and purpose if you can't provide that to people then the chances of you maintaining a healthy workforce is extremely slim so it's important that we not just provide work but meaningful work to people um but in the article, it talks about six ways to overcome isolation and discover purpose in your life. And I want to mention these six quickly. Number one is reading. We can derive and construct meaning and purpose from reading. Obtaining knowledge is crucial for this. For me, whenever I was going through deconstruction and I was leaving the faith and I needed to have a foundation again, a different foundation, 
to create meaning and purpose, I read a lot of philosophy. Philosophy, I, I've always loved philosophy ever since I was a kid, but I definitely loved philosophy after I deconstructed and <clears throat> I studied a lot of philosophy. And some of the philosophy that I studied that I really liked was um, existentialist philosophy, absurdist philosophy, but also stoic philosophy, where some of the philosophies that I really gravitated to and really felt like kind of really corresponded with myself and the world around me, even though existentialist and absurdist is different. There's some things that I like in each one of those, and that's why I, I talked about both. Um, but reading about reading the wisdom of of those philosophies was really crucial for me. The second thing is turn hurts into healing for others. Now, as my good friend Mandy Capehart has said, uh, you don't have to. Um, you don't have to. What does she? How does she say it? She's like you don't have to make your pain purposeful, or you don't have to turn your pain into purpose. Um. It's not something that you have to do. Um, but I think it can be beneficial to find purpose from the pain. I don't think we need to force people to go there. I don't think you have to motivate or have to make people move through it. But for me, at least in my own life, I know when I went through very painful situations growing from those things was really important to me. Um, growth from adversity is important. It's a huge stoic value too. This, this whole concept of really making it through the worst of the worst and really coming out stronger and better and more resilient from it. So while I do agree with my friend, Mandy, that you don't have to derive purpose from your pain, a lot of people do because a lot of people have seen that we can grow immensely from the most adverse of situations. The third thing they mentioned in the article is you need to cultivate awe, gratitude, and altruism. Practicing awe, gratitude, and altruism has been shown scientifically that the experience of awe makes us feel connected to something larger than ourselves. Um, having gratitude for things has shown that we are more appreciative of the things that we have and can actually derive perspective in very helpful ways. And then altruism <coughs> has been shown that um, people have a greater sense of purpose in their lives if they engage in more altruistic behaviors, whether it's donating money, volunteering, things like that. Uh, number four is listen to what other people appreciate about you. Accept praise for who you are and what you do. You'll gain a greater sense of self-esteem because of it. Number five, uh, five, excuse me, find and build community. This does not mean you have to find it or do it in the church, but you can if you want, but you can do it in lots of different ways. You can find a, um, a common cause that you might agree with, whether it's a social justice cause, a civic cause, whether it's just being a part of a meetup group or a small group over, you know, a common bond or identity can be very helpful. <coughs> also developing friendships and, and things like that is also important. And then number six is tell your story. Tell your story to yourself and to others and share about what is important to you. Those things 
can help you become the kind of person that you want to be. Of course, I'll have all the links in the description. I just want to, on my last episode, before um, I end this one, to let you know that number one, I will release a, a separate episode, which will be much shorter than all my other episodes. Um, just kind of telling you what I'm going to be doing with the podcast, what the future is for the podcast, what I see it maybe doing or not doing, what my life is going to look like moving forward over the next year and what I'm planning on doing. Um, I'm going to give all those details in a separate episode. So please be on the lookout for that. I think it'll be very important. Lastly, I just want to thank all of you for listening this whole season. You made it through. If you've listened to all these episodes, you have made it through season four. And I want to commend you and congratulate you and thank you so much for your love and support of me and my work. And I hope that you can do it in the following ways. Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Ryan Wolkowski. Please go to my website at ryanwolkowski.com and leave me a message there on my contact form. If you want to leave an audio message that can be used in a future episode, you can go to ryanwalkowski.com, go to the podcast page, scroll down to the bottom and leave a message. You'll find a link there with instructions on how to do that. Uh, Lastly, um, just reach out to me. Like I said, I'm available on DM and I'm available by message. You can get a hold of me and I would love to talk to you more about your feelings about the podcast, what you felt like was great, where you felt like things might need improvement. Like I said, on this episode and the last episode, I understand that you're going to hear occasional coughing, occasional pausing because I'm taking a drink whatever. I'm just, this fall and into this winter has been brutal for me and my family. We have gotten sick more times than we ever have in our lives. And so we're really just trying to make it through as healthy as possible. And luckily we are. And I hope that continues to be that way. And I hope that you all stay healthy and safe as well. But I just want to say one last thing. Please leave a review uh, wherever you listen to this podcast. So whether it's Spotify or Google or Apple or you're listening on the Anchor platform or wherever other platform you're listening to this to, um, Just leave a five-star review and please just um, boost this podcast for me. That's the best way you can do it. This podcast is completely self-published. It is, um, I I get no money from it. I actually put money into it. Um, uh, it's, It's just a labor of love. And so any kind of positive review you can leave for me would be certainly helpful. Well, like I said, I look forward to talking one last time very briefly about kind of the future, but otherwise you have one life, make the most of it. And I'll see you next time.